scripture tonight is taken from Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. I invite you to follow along with me. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. The word of the Lord. I wanted to talk for a few weeks with you about a a simple spiritual practice that has helped me find more peace in my life. And it's the practice of giving thanks. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to look at some scriptures that talk about gratitude, thankfulness. uh, And we'll just try to dig into them a little bit and see what they have to say about uh, why giving thanks, why being thankful is such an important part of the Christian life. And how it can bring us personal peace in our life as well. And I thought we'd start with this story about Jesus and the lepers. Begins at a, at a village, probably a couple hours walk south of Jerusalem, right at the border between Samaria and, and uh, the rest of Israel. And Jesus enters a village, and as would have been common in the time, the lepers who were not allowed in the village would have been outside and they see him coming, they've heard who he is, and they, they beg him to heal him. I've uh, had the opportunity to visit a leper colony once. It was in October. It was in the southeastern corner of Romania on, uh, on the, the Black Sea, I think. And the, the leaves were starting to fall. Winter was coming in. And this little village of horribly deformed men and women were preparing for winter. And I'll never forget it. Uh, they were some of the sweetest, kindest people. There was a church there that we went and worshipped with them at. But they were entirely cut off from the rest of the community. I know the science has progressed now, but at that point, uh, they were not allowed to be with their family because they were seen as contagious. In some ways, a leper in Scripture is kind of a picture of all of us. They're they're cut off from community. They're cut off from God because some disease has afflicted them. And when you think about it, when when, when you think about your own life, when I think about my life, There is a disease. There is something not right. 
There is something that, as St. Augustine said, is curved inward on myself. Something that seeks not to love. The Bible calls that sin and other things. But it's a disease that cuts us off from one another. And actually, in the Old Testament, it cuts you off from God. You weren't allowed to go into the temple if you had leprosy. So there's a way in which, as we read this story, we're all like the lepers. We all begin with a sense that there is something wrong with us, that I am not able to move on that journey of wholeness towards God because there's something keeping me back, that... There's something that keeps me from becoming the man or woman that I want to be. Something is broken in me, and I need healing. And that's where this story begins. These lepers know this all too well, and that's why they cry out for healing. And that's where this journey into Thanksgiving comes from. But I want to stop there for just a minute, because the Christian understanding of Thanksgiving begins with this awareness of my spiritual leprosy. It it begins with uh, this awareness that I have that I cannot do by myself what I want to do, that I cannot be who I want to be, I cannot love like I want to love, I can't forgive the way that I forgive, I can't become whole and healed by myself. I need help. I need God. That's where the Christian practice of thanksgiving begins, with with that that sense of what, what traditionally we would call sin, that I need a Savior. Uh, Many of you know uh, a wonderful young man named Stefan, and he shared his story with us at the baptism, and um, he began coming into my office, uh, I think in the fall of 2015, we started to talk about faith. And he had these wonderful questions. Uh, now, at the same time, he was falling in love and, um, with a young lady named Noel, and he began to kind of see a God in her that he didn't know himself. And so he was trying to figure all of this out, and we kept reading books together and praying and talking. And, and then he came to a service we had two years ago called the Lament Service. It was during Lent, and we, it was a time of confession of corporate and personal sin. And uh, I remember looking out and seeing Stefan with his head in his hands. And he stayed that way through the whole service and long after the service. And, and uh, later we met, and I said, what, what was going on there? And that was the night that he surrendered his life to a greater love in the lament service. And I thought, what an odd evangelistic service. <laughs> all this confession. And... I've preached all these so-called gospel evangelistic messages and nothing happens. And then we repent of our sin and and, uh, this beautiful young man becomes a believer. And then it occurred to me, actually, isn't that a beautiful place to encounter Christ? That the more profound you experience your disease, the more beautiful is the remedy, the cure, the gospel cure. So when we talk about thanksgiving, it's it's contingent to a degree upon how much I feel the need of a cure. That's that's where it begins. 
Well, the, the lepers call out to him, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. That, by the way, would be an interesting sermon on healing, wouldn't it? Um, you, guys, you guys go to the priests, which, by the way, Leviticus said that if a leper was cleansed and wanted to reenter the community, they had to get certified by the priest. So go do the right thing. Go do what the law says, and um, you'll be healed as you go do what I tell you to do. Maybe there's a, a principle there that we experience healing after we obey what he tells us to do. And you might just ask yourself, this is all for free, this is not part of the sermon. You might ask yourself, is there something that God has asked you to do and you're waiting upon him healing something, but you've got to go first? So just think about about that. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Okay. So... They go, and as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Now, this is a puzzling story, right? Because what did they do wrong? I mean, he says, go see the priest. The law of Leviticus says, go see the priest. They go see the priest. Like they're supposed to. They get back into the business of religion like they're supposed to. And only one man, the moral hero of the story, turns around. By the way, the guy who probably didn't know the law. And says thanks. And here's what I was thinking today. I'd have been one of the nine. I mean, you can kind of see the conversation going, you know, you know, the priests are there till five. If we pick it up, you know, we can go do that. And then my uncle, he's got this house over there. Maybe we can go check out on him. Maybe I could get some bread and some fish. We could have a little party. And this means I can re-engage the community. Oh, there's so much to do. And it would be a wonderful conversation. But in the midst of it, I'd forget the miracle. And I just thought, how, how like life that is, that that we can get so busy with good things, going to see the priest, going to the temple, doing religion, that we just don't step back for awe, for thanks. We've had two uh, weddings in our community the past two weeks. Uh, Last weekend, Carrie Jo and Eric Savage were married. And um, it is, there is a rumor going around, and it is true, 7 o'clock in our men's group, I, I did call him on his honeymoon and wake him up. I'm sorry, I just had to do it and tell him that we, we cared for him, wanted to know how his marriage was. He didn't appreciate the joke. But at any rate, um, true story, so when you hear it, it happened. So the theme of the, we, of the wedding was Thanksgiving, and they had a Thanksgiving feast, even with turkey, after the, after the wedding. And all week long, I just felt kind of full from that evening. Then last night, Noel and Stefan were married. And um, Noel is, is, is from an Arabic culture. And originally, I was not going to go to the reception. Uh, and uh, her mom called and said, you have never been to an Arab wedding. You're coming. And so uh, I went, and I've never been to an Arab wedding. If you've ever been to an Arab wedding, it is really something else with line dancing and all sorts of wonderful, wonderful things. And 
And as like the third line dance went by me, this delightful elderly uh, Arab man came over and, and he grabbed me and he said, you know, this was what the wedding at Cana was like. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, whoa. And you know, it's been a hard week, right? I mean, terrible things have happened in the world this week. And yet for a couple of hours on a Saturday night, people got together with people that they love and they danced and gave thanks and had good food and sang and laughed, put on their best clothes. My soul just needed that, just needed that. And I wondered, why do we do it once in a life? Why don't we take more time to step out of the busyness of religion and just dance and say thank you? I was talking with a friend and I said, where are you encountering God lately? And normally I hear, you know, I'm studying Romans and you know, I'm meeting him in Romans. And Actually, I don't hear that as much as you hear, but that's what I'd like to hear. But, and, and so my friend says, you know, it's odd. In the laughter of my daughter, in the crispness of the air. How often do we just stop and realize the miracle that we're living in? Rather than focusing on all the busyness of the good moral life that we're trying to live. Now, I think it's interesting that he says, now, he was a Samaritan. We get the sense that, that the others were maybe a little bit entitled or, or, or maybe a little bit oblivious to, to how radical this gift was, how radical this healing was. And it, it just occurred to me how easy it is for us to become that way in our faith as religious people who've been doing this for a while. We can get so numb to grace. And actually, that's what leprosy is, right? It's, it's, it's a loss of feeling. Have you become that way? Maybe the, the weariness of doing all the stuff of religion. Have you just become numb to the miracle of grace? Kind of deadened to it. So easy to happen, isn't it? So easy to happen. You know, we talked about this spiritual leprosy, this part of ourself that's ugly and death-like. When, that's, when that starts to activate in our lives, instead of thankfulness, I become demanding. I become critical. I become judgmental. I become engaged in self-pity. Do you see how different those two heart postures are? Do you see if I'm in the world with a clenched fist, why God, why didn't you do this? Why didn't they do this? Why is this so hard? Do you see how different that posture is? I mean, then God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Jesus says, well, we're not ten cleansed, we're the nine. 
was no one found to return to give praise to God but this foreigner? And he said, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And again, this is a little puzzling because they did exactly what he said to do and he seems upset by it. He seems to desire praise and thanksgiving from people that he's healed. Three different words for healing. All of them can be translated saved. They're all together in a, in a word cluster in the, in the Greek. So he saves three people or ten people. Only one of them comes back. And he, and he wonders why the others didn't because he seems to want their praise. He seems to want their thanksgiving. And we could look all through scripture and see God really does want our thanksgiving. Psalm 100, enter his courts with praise. Give thanks. First Chronicles 16, give thanks to God for he is good. He wants us to be thankful. He wants us to give him thanks. Why? Well, obviously, it's not because he, he needs it. It's because we need it. Right? God is totally sufficient without my praise. But he wants it because it changes you and it changes me. And look what happens at the end. He says to this man who's already healed, your faith, your soul has made you well. And he uses a Greek word for salvation that means deep, soulful healing. And what he's saying there is to this man who's already been saved, already been healed, You are the one that is now going to enter into the fullness of salvation. You are the one that is going to experience my blessing in a richer way. You are the one that is going to know me more intimately because you are the one that came back to give thanks. That's why we give thanks. Not because he needs it. But because if you will shift the posture of your heart from a demanding spirit, a fault-fighting spirit, a critical spirit, a judgmental spirit, an argumentative spirit, a self-pitying spirit, to a grateful spirit, a thankful spirit, a humble spirit, you will be saved. Let's pray.